<laughs> How you doing, Kayla? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good today. I, I've been I've been doing so much like I've been revamping so much in my world and I feel like everyone has been like we just moved out of a Venus retrograde. We just moved out of a Mercury retrograde. We just moved into a Jupiter retrograde, which should be more of like an introspective on luck, on career, on all of these things that we're kind of now after those two big retrogrades are ready to dive into because both of those retrogrades were such big, like introspective figure out who we are kind of situations so like Mm. we're coming off some serious like fleshing it all out figuring out who the hell we are and what the hell we're here to do and now we're moving into like this the beginning of like this next phase of uh, career and success and just moving through and I feel like I have completely changed the way that I function and I spend so much more of my time relaxing now um and I honestly wake up every day loving my life. And that's yay, really beautiful. So I'm great, oh. Megan. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thanks. I'm so glad. <laughs> that's yeah. beautiful. It's almost like the universe is trying to help us all figure out life. Oh, 100%. Surprise. 100%. What a, what a crazy, what a right. crazy thought. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Kayla Mason. And I'm Megan Smith. And this is Human Human Design Design in Real Time. I'm the founder and CEO of Kayla Care. And as an intuitive human design coach, I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living. Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world. On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life about how their human design affects their lives and the lives of those around them. To download a PDF of your own human design chart, all you need is your exact birth time and you can go to kayla-care.com to download your own copy. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Human Design in Real Time podcast. Today we'll be discussing the deconditioning journey of a manifesting generator with Jessica Tanner. Jess has joined us on the podcast before. Just to remind you, she is a 1-3 manifesting generator, actress, yoga teacher, health coach, all around ultimate manifesting generator. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey with us. Thank you for having me again. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yay. We're very excited to talk to you. I'm super excited because I want to know more about the manifesting generator selfishly because I am one. <laughs> yes. And I'm excited <laughs> to talk more about this deconditioning because I feel like this is exactly where I have been lately. So the conversation is divine timing. Oh, Amazing. I love it. We were just talking about divine timing. Universe is Universe here. Is just here. helping us figure out divine timing and what what we need to do next scooting us along yes yeah gentle nudges gentle nudges in the directions that we need to go exactly we just have to sit and listen to them yeah oh 100 amazing um before we dive in i just kind of want to remind our listeners of what a deconditioning journey is deconditioning essentially is the concept of working to 
unlearn the societal conditioning and the conditioning that we picked up from our parents, our siblings, the people we grew up around, and instead leaning into our authentic truth, instead leading into who we truly are. And human design does such an amazing job of helping us to understand this because it really shows us who we truly are and how we can celebrate our energy. So it gives us a really great beginning, like starting point to understand where we may have picked up things that are holding us back and where we might need to work on some deconditioning. So the way that I like to discuss deconditioning is in reference to defined centers versus undefined centers. So the undefined centers in human design are where traditionally we pick up conditioning from other people, meaning where we have learned something based on the way somebody else does it. And we in these centers will feel shame for not being like somebody else. Whereas in our defined centers, these are the places where we emit energy and these are the places where our authentic self really has a chance to shine through. And the kind of conditioning we feel in these spaces is the shame for being who we truly are. So when you look at the difference between these two concepts, that shame that exists within those undefined centers tends to be more about other people, tends to be more about us not living up to expectations, whereas the conditioning that happens in our defined centers is more about us feeling ashamed of who we truly are and not knowing how to express ourselves. A manifesting generator comprises two different facets of human design. So the main things we're going to be talking about today are the things that create a manifesting generator. Those are a defined sacral center, the same as a generator. So a manigen also has the ability to do sustainable work. And then a throat motor. So these are people who literally speak things into existence. So this is what we're going to be focusing on today with our beautiful manifesting generator, Jessica Tanner. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So Jess, tell us specifically about your deconditioning journey. Um, When did you start going on a deconditioning journey? How long have you been on this journey? And, you know, what are some of the things that you've been working through um, on your journey? I'd have to say that it probably started the very first time I got my chart read, which was July 2020. And that's when I started to understand how my energy worked in the world. And, but then I've had people read my charts since then. And I feel like the journey has just keeps the plot keeps thickening. That's how it feels with my journey, because it's like, you see all these things that you're like, all right, I see that I need to maybe not are operating in that way. Isn't useful to my energy. Right. And I'm just kind of moving through that. I feel like a huge example with where I'm at right now is productivity or like what it looks like to be productive or how I feel like I define myself in the world and looking around and seeing the way others define themselves and especially like in a societal setting and then feeling like, uh, well, I feel like I'm a little all over the place or even like how, when I talk to people or meet them for the first time and they're like, what do you do? And then like, I explain, and then they're like, oh, you do a lot of things. And I'm like, yes, I do. And not feeling like shame for that. And knowing like, that's just part of my journey and who I am and how I thrive is doing all of those things. And then just also, I think deconditioning in terms of like everything, honestly, like my self-care, um, just 
how I even interact with people and feeling like you don't have to, I don't know, do it the way everyone tells you you have to, especially like, I feel like for me specifically, I really had to tune in and just learn so much more about myself. And it's been like a, I don't want to say like a love hate relationship, but it's been like difficult. Cause like you see these things that you're like, Oh, this is not working for me. But like, how do I, you know, how do I try to start then paving a new path on how I'm going to like operate or like use my energy in the world. I think one big thing that, um, Kayla and I've talked about before is how I have this, like I'm a doer and it says like, it's even very clear in my chart and feeling like if I'm not like always doing all the things, then like, I kind of feel like I'm lazy and I'm like, no, that's not like, I have to uncondition myself about that of like, okay, even the society says you're supposed to like be constantly, especially here in the U S like hustle culture, right? you got to be doing all these things and like constantly working. And I've been trying to really decondition that out of me, especially coming from living in New York city of being like, okay, no, like I can take more time for myself. And actually when I lean in and tune into myself and I'm like, all right, I need time to relax or like restore and just give myself some rest. Then I actually have more energy to then go do all the things. Yeah. So that's where I've been. <laughs> I feel like it's a lifelong journey though. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yes. We're always working to improve and acknowledge ourselves that's why it's a journey and not yeah. a destination. <laughs> yeah. um, and I I want to highlight something that you're talking about because I feel like it's so relevant here is the idea that you're doing too much because that's such a huge thing as a manifesting generator. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Manny Jen's like, we're here. We, I'm not a Manny Jen. <laughs> um, you guys, y'all are here. <laughs> y'all, you guys are here to kind of sample everything. You're here to dive into a bunch of mm -hmm. different things and you're allowed to start something and try it out and then change your mind and go do something else. And mm -hmm. you're allowed to follow this kind of flow of jumping from one thing to another. And you actually do better when you let yourself jump from one thing to another than when you try to force yourself to sit down and stay in the same place and do the same thing for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. And like when you give yourself that freedom, it opens you up to be available to anything coming in for you. Because I think often what happens and, you know, you're then talking about tapping into yourself and checking in with your intuition and checking in with the way that you feel about things. When we give ourselves the opportunity to be how we actually function in the world without using that societal conditioning, it actually opens us up to be available for things we didn't even know existed before. And so I, I'm, one, I'm curious, since you have started trying to lean into the idea that you just like to jump around and you like to do different things at different times, do you feel like you're more connected to your intuition? And do you feel like things come in for you more often? I think that it's a day-to-day -day thing. I think sometimes I feel that way. Like specifically like today, for example, I was hopping in and out of doing different things. Like I had some meetings where I was planning some wellness events. And then I had like an hour where I was rehearsing for this project I'm going to shoot this weekend. And then I went for a walk to get some fresh air. And like, I was like, Oh, this is how I should be doing each day more often than feeling like I got to 
plan. I mean, there are some planning ahead, right? When there are certain things you need to accomplish, but sometimes I think I get stuck in all the shoulds Mm -hmm. of like how I'm supposed to operate each day. And even I think one of my big conditioning things too is I think as a manifesting generator, sometimes you struggle with the, you are wanting to do a lot of things, but then sometimes you feel like, am I even good at any of them? Because I'm, you know, I'm putting all of my energy. This is something that comes up for me a lot. I'm like, am I even mm. good at all these things? Cause I'm like, uh, I feel like I'm spreading my energy to then. And honestly, I don't even think that's how I really feel. I think that's the conditioning I get from outside of myself and what I constantly hear from people. Like if I hear one more time, what is that quote? It's like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Literally people have said that to me. <laughs> Megan. I know she's told me the, the actual quote. Oh yeah. yeah. Megan, tell us the actual quote again, just so we all get to enjoy it. Oh God. <laughs> um, I, okay. I, uh, it's, it's a jack of all trades, master of none, but better than being a master of one. Yes. Something like that. But yes. it, the, mm-hmm. the point is like, it, again, the, I, I can't remember the quote right now, but it is, you know, Jack being a jack of all trades is a good thing. It's a, it's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this idea that you part. can be really yeah. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't, if you're a master of one, you've got one really good skill and that's it. So why not learn to be better and grow at a lot of things? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what manifesting generators should do. And that's why I like that quote for manifesting generators. If you actually use the whole quote and not just the tiny portion, because I, you know, Jess, I'm actually curious if this is something that you struggle with, but the idea of a career. Oh my God. Scares the crap out don't of even me. Give me. Don't even give me started. Yeah. This is where okay. I've been lately. I've been so frustrated because <laughs> I'm like, literally my life right now is like, I'm waking up and teaching yoga classes. And then sometimes I'm bartending in the evenings and then I'm like doing the acting stuff. But then I'm also like, I want to do this or that. And I'm like, wait, but, and I feel like I'm constantly coming to this, like, but what, what is my, what is my career? Like, it's just, it's, it all, it all is my career. I, that's what I have to accept. Cause I think the thing that's been bogging me down lately in general with my life is feeling like I have an idea of how things are supposed to look career or just anything in general. And then you get so hyper-focused on what it's supposed to look like that it, and like most of the time when things come, everything in your life never comes in the way that you want it or the way it's going to look. So I'm, I'm like, I really need to decondition this out of myself because I'm like, I have to stop, stop focusing on like the, what it's what it should look like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this with everything. Yeah. I as a as a manager, I definitely struggle with the idea of career because, it, but it's something that's so ingrained that it it takes such a long time to to decondition that idea that I have to have one job for my entire life mm-hmm. or or a, a career trajectory that's going to grow. Mm-hmm. But it's like I get bored. Yeah, I get yes, bored. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> And especially in the U.S., it's like it's so hard here because it's like, all right, you go to high school, then you go to college for that one career that you do, which in like in our parents' defense, that's what they did. Some of them worked at the companies for what, like 30 or 40 years, but like that's not how it is anymore. No, 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 at all. I think our generation has uh, can change careers like three or four times before they Mm -hmm. actually retire. So 
why why stick yourself in right one career like why just... why the shame like why the shame around it why you know? the shame yeah. why the shame and i i want to highlight so for our listeners i just want to explain to you a little bit what jess's chart is so what we're looking at she is defined crown mind and throat and then her throat is connected to a defined sacral center and a defined spleen um she is undefined in her self-center her heart will ego center her emotional center and her uh, root center. Um, so what you're talking about, this concept of planning is actually a part of who you are. You actually have the channel of structuring, which connects your throat to your mind. And then your mind is connected to your crown with the channel of logic. So you are literally built to understand the beginning of the scientific process, the hypothesis portion of the scientific process. That is that channel of logic. And then this channel mm -hmm. of structuring, which connects your throat to your mind, is an individual knowing channel. So that means that you just mm -hmm. know stuff without knowing why you know stuff. You just know it. And so when you bring logic together with knowing it can be really, really difficult because our society says logic is the only way. Logic is it. If there is no logical reasoning, then everything is thrown out the window and you cannot do it. Whereas you have a lot of intuitive energy. You also have the brainwave channel. You have that gate of intuition connected to both sides that it can be connected to. So you have a very intense ability to connect intuitively. So even though you create this logical understanding of mind, it's really important to remember that the mind is not where decisions are made. <laughs> the mind is where you get to organize information and get to understand it so that you can inform and your gut can make those decisions for you. So do you feel like that's something that you have struggled with? Is that separation between mind and gut? A little bit. I think I've gotten better at it probably over the last year or two, but it's something I definitely still struggle with. And I think I'm finally starting to pick up when I'm not maybe tuning in with my gut or like my body. And I'm more so like letting my mind run the show still a uh, mm. work in progress. hundred <laughs> percent. Can we talk about that a little bit? Is that that connection to mm -hmm. the gut? Because as a generator, one of the most important things that I think to start a deconditioning journey with generator types is to really get in touch with that defined sacral center. Because your defined sacral center is literally your connection to universal intelligence. So how have you been working to connect better with that gut feeling? And what kind of things do you find work well? And what kind of things are you finding are not as helpful for you in this way? So it's interesting because I feel like I was someone who worked so hard to get people to like me and I really didn't listen to my gut for so long. And probably the last four or five years, I've started to listen to it more and more. And it's it's kind of like a um, trial and error. There's been times that I'm like, I can really hear it and I really like hear what it's saying and I'm like, okay. And then there's times I think I hear it and then I'm like, uh, but I don't know if like, that's what everyone else wants to hear right now or what everyone else wants to do. Cause it's like this push and pull or like tug of war of like letting go of the conditioning and then actually doing what my gut says. 
I feel like the one thing that I will say that's helped me tremendously is actually my partner because he will force me to make decisions based on what I want. And so it's been a practice of me like tuning into my gut and being like, all right, what do you want right now? And like, literally it sometimes is a struggle to be like, don't, don't try to do what he wants. Like you got do what you want to do. And then also I, and acting too, it's like been a, it's been a practice because like my acting teacher will literally call me out in class. And he's like, your body literally just showed you that, or like, I just saw your body not agree with the repetition that you just did with your partner. But for some reason you just agreed with, and I'm like, Oh. <laughs> like you know it's, <laughs> you're right or then he'll say some things that I'm like oh wow oh. yeah oh. I I might have felt that but I think it's it's tough sometimes because you if you do disconnect from it for quite a long time then it's like hard to then listen to it and also I think it's tough in our society because I think sometimes the way we're raised especially as children our parents don't necessarily validate how we're feeling mm. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but unfortunately, like the household I grew up in, like, I don't think my parents, I think I was always very intuitive, intuitive and picked up on a lot of what was happening and I could feel it, but my parents weren't always like good of being very communicative or like validating how I was feeling. So then you grow up and you start to doubt how you're actually feeling because Yeah, your reality was different than what was happening inside. Mm -hmm. Mm. But it's been something I've been trying to work on. And I think one thing that helps is like meditating and checking in with myself and journaling, Mm. and just trying to check in with myself each day in some sort of way, if like, like I said, meditating or journaling, or even just like, getting on my yoga mat and just stretching for 10 minutes, just to like, try to check in with where I'm at or like taking a deep breath. One of the things I've been doing lately is like, even when I'm eating, like to just calm, like check in with myself. I'm like, am I even enjoying my food? And like taking a deep breath and like slowing, just trying to slow down. I think that's the really big lesson. And like all of the trying to listen to your gut is like slowing down. Cause when you're moving so fast, you can't listen to it. There's just too much happening. Yeah. Yeah. And what a paradox being a manifesting generator and knowing that you want to jump around and do all sorts of different things, but also knowing that until you slow down enough, you won't be able to hear your gut and like figuring out how to find the balance between the two of those. That's, that's a challenge. That's literally been my life the last like three years. I think I was like moving so fast in my life that like, I actually didn't I wasn't doing what I really wanted or I didn't really, I mean, I kind of was here and there, right. But these last few years I've like tried to like really slow down and like kind of meet myself and, you know, discover who I am a little bit more. And through that, it's like, all right, wow. I feel like I wasn't even the same human four years ago. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally. And that's probably true. That's very true. So how have you been using human design specifically to help you on your deconditioning journey? You mentioned at the beginning that it was when you got your human design chart read that you started to really look at and analyze some of the conditioning that you were experiencing. So how have you been using human design throughout this time to help you decondition and remove some of that societal conditioning? 
Oh my God. So many ways. Cause like there's so many aspects of the chart, right? (laughs) So like, I think when I figured out that it's like when I have a intuit intuition or gut, yes, that like go with it. And then also figuring out what the no means and like knowing that I don't need a lot of convincing because my throat head and our throat mind and crown right Mm -hmm. um are all like colored in so it's when I know I know I just you know I don't need to I always use this example because my partner's his is not filled in so he has to read all the reviews to purchase the thing and I'm just like I look at it and I have a gut yes all right I'm gonna buy it click buy whatever (laughs) and then I'll say um especially when I discovered my, um, self center wasn't filled in and what that meant Mm -hmm. and feeling like I never fit in or I don't really know who I am or I have like this. I just don't feel like even my style, what I like to eat, how I present myself. It's so fluid and just my mood. Like I'm the, like right now I'm wearing like a really feminine floral dress, but then you'll catch me in like a rocker tee and like a leather jacket. There's just no, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's just, and I've learned to embrace that and also know that I'm not going to fit in some sort of box. I mean, we, none of us really do, but feeling like it's okay. And like, maybe, maybe I don't feel like I fit in, but it's cause I'm so unique, you know, I'm trying to think what else in the human design chart. Oh, using my voice mm-hmm. was a big one. And something I think I'm still trying to learn more because I think I was so, like I said, like I really didn't feel my feelings for a long time and didn't vocalize how I really felt. And so the last few years that I have, I'm like, it's so, it's like, it's like I'm getting better and better at it, but it's still... I know that I'm like, I meant to like use my voice and like, but also being careful with, right. When is the right time to use it? you got to kind of discern when is the time to actually use it. And when you're like kind of beating a dead horse, almost trying to tell someone something Mm, that's also been like a, yeah, you know, touch and go, you got to figure it out. Finding that balance. Have you felt with, you know, with discovering the power of your voice, have you felt like scared of it at any point? And afraid to use it? I, I think I'm afraid to use it in terms of, again, going back to that conditioning of feeling like people won't like me Mm -hmm. if I say what I really feel or Mm -hmm. people won't accept me for like my opinions. And this comes up so much in my acting too, because this is something I'm constantly still working through with acting of like, not being agreeable, for example, like I going back to like the example with my acting coach and like not being agreeable because like, I'm just trying to be agreeable to like, no, no confrontation. So the other person, everything stays, you know, okay. And maybe the other person still likes me. And it's like, Oh no, like I can't be like, I need to actually say how I feel. So I think in terms of that, I'm not afraid of my voice, but I'm just afraid of the, not the repercussions, but you know, what, the waves, what waves are going to happen because Mm. of what is going to come out. I also wonder what your relationship with conflict is because as an undefined emotional, it's very common to run away from conflict of any kind. From conflict? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I don't like 
con it's like I don't like conflict but then when I'm in it it's like my whole body you know like you just feel like you're like like you're on fire or something (laughs) and I feel like when I was growing up I was always the peacekeeper too Mm -hmm. so it's like oh just doing whatever needs to be done to make sure everyone's okay yep and like that's not I'm really trying to decondition myself from that because I'm like that's not you know, my- and like learning, I think too, with conflicts, like how to communicate in a way that's like, all right, it's conflict, but it's still like productive mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Conflict is necessary. Conflict is something that we have mm-hmm. that needs to happen in order for there to be progress. You know, this is something I think we talked about in the last episode where we discussed mutation and the concept that there there is energy in the chart that needs to be, you need to go through some crap stuff in order to be able to figure mm-hmm. out the good stuff. And I'm looking at your chart right now. You have gate 38, which is one that both Megan and I have as well. And gate 38 is the gate of the fighter. You know what's worth fighting for. You need to try to figure out what's worth fighting for. You have that fighting spirit. But something that came up earlier today, I was talking to my business partner and she also has an undefined emotional center. She was actually just on, Ronnie. We talked to her about uh, Mm -hmm. deconditioning the generator. She said that she realized there had been an emotional experience earlier in her life and she had this moment and had this enter this message coming in for her that said i don't know what it feels like to not have this be my emotional identity because she had absorbed mm. what it meant to take care of the emotions of her family at such a young age and if you're talking about this idea that you were the peacekeeper you absorbed Mm -hmm. everybody else's emotions in your house and felt like you had to keep conflict at bay from day one. So what does that do Mm -hmm. to your own emotional identity, to what you actually get to feel? Oh my God. (laughs) That's like, I feel for Ronnie. I literally had the same experience. And what's interesting is because of that, you absorbed so much. You, I didn't allow myself to feel what I was feeling. And like, I just like, kind of like sewed myself shut and was like, all right, like had this armor almost to mm-hmm. where I didn't feel anything. I didn't express anything. Cause I was just absorbed with everyone else that was around me, like AKA my family. Mm-hmm. And I think only until, like I said, the last, I'd say four or five years, I've slowly started to let myself have my own feelings. And it was so interesting. I started talk therapy probably like four years ago and I started to actually process all these things that I never processed before. And I was talking to my best friend who her and I were best friends since we were like eight years old. And I started telling her how I felt about certain things. And she was like, Oh my God, I didn't know you felt like that. And I'm like, well, dang, if you didn't know I felt like that, no one did. And now that I actually allow myself to feel I'm quite sensitive Mm-hmm. I'm like very sensitive to like, I have a lot mm. of feelings and now I have learned to just like, let them flow through me. Yes. Or sometimes I will just start crying and I'm like, I don't even know if this is mine, but I just have to let it out yeah. and I have to cry right now. Like I went to a wedding this last weekend and I was around, around a lot of energy and I came home yesterday and I journaled and I sat on my yoga mat and I cried for like 15 minutes. Cause I was like, this Aww. is just, I gotta like let yeah. it out. And not judge it. And like, that's the other thing too, is not judging when you have like these strong emotions or feelings, even if like, there's like, sometimes crying doesn't always have to be sad. Sometimes it's just how your body is purging all the feelings and everything it's holding on to. At least that's how it is for me. 
And Mm -hmm. so I've learned to like not judge it and be like, oh my God, why am I crying right now? And just being like, all right, I'm crying right now. And I'm going to do my best to like let it all out. And that's another thing that I've learned with the defined throat is making a lot of noise when I'm in those moments where I'm like crying. I'll literally physically try to make a lot of noise because I know that also helps get it all out. Oh, that's amazing. It's like part of, you know, my energy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, I love that. It's so great to hear you like acknowledge in each center and like what what it is that comes in that center and, and how you can let it flow through you or acknowledge it um, and take the time that you need with it. It sounds like you've done a lot of healing on that, which is great. Um, is there one center that you feel you've experienced an intense amount of conditioning and you know, what is that center? What have you done to work on some of your deconditioning in that center? I think it might be the root. Can mm. you explain to me what the root yeah. is? Wait, Kayla, can you just explain what the root oh, is again? 100%. And then can... So <laughs> when we look, when I'm looking at Jess's chart, a lot of times the undefined centers that have the most gates in them, so meaning the center is undefined, but there are a bunch of gates within that center are the places where we hold the most conditioning because those are the places where we have deep understandings of the things that exist within this center, but we don't create energy from the center. So that deep understanding ends up being put toward your understanding of other people's experience of this center. And until you start to realize that, oh, I'm one of my superpowers is understanding this about people, you can take on the energy of those other people and think that it is your own. Mm-hmm. So in the root center, the root is truly our connection to the earth. It's our connection to the animals. It's our connection to really the core of being alive. And within that center is the energy for thriving and the energy for drive and urgency and getting things done. It's it's one of the pressure centers. So there is pressure coming in from the root to do things. And people who have defined root centers are going to feel kind of a pulse of energy, of urgency to do something. Like I am a projector, but I have a defined root. And there will be moments where like something will come in for me and it'll be like, okay, I got to get up and go do that thing. Like I got to, I got to get up. And like, it's that energy that flows through me. And I suddenly have the energy to like, you know, get up off the couch or to go finish a project or to go eat food or whatever it is that my body is like, you have the urgency, but without a defined root center, that's not how you're built. Your urgency and your drive to do things is going to come from somewhere else. It's going to come from your voice. It's going to come from your understanding of self. It's going to come from your mind or from your sacral center, knowing that it's time for you to go move your body, whatever it is. But with that undefined route, the conditioning you might pick up is this idea that there is urgency. You have to get things done in a certain way. You have to... um, kind of function as a human in a certain way, the idea of thriving in a specific way. So some of the gates that you have in your defined in your undefined root center 
might help to highlight some of the things that you have struggled in here. Mm -hmm. This is where that gate of the fighter is. Mm -hmm. So that knowing what's worth fighting for and knowing what to follow, you may find you picked up from other people instead of yourself. Um, the gate of joy is also in here. So you may have found that it's hard for you to dig into what is joyful for you. And perhaps you are looking at what is joyful for others instead. Um, and you also have gate 41, which is the gate of fantasy, which is this kind of like fantastical space of coming up with new concepts and new ideas. And you may have felt like you are needing to take on other people's ideas and flesh out other people's things and put in the urgency toward other people's stuff instead of the ideas and things that you create, especially with your defined mind and head, you create a lot of beautiful ideas. So do any of these things resonate with you? And how do you feel that this has shown up for you in your life? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so much. I think especially just in general, how, like you said, like the example of how to be a human or how to thrive is something I've struggled with immensely lately and looking around and it's part of actually a lot of my shadow work of one of my shadows was like, if I'm not doing all the things that I'm lazy. And I feel like that's what I've picked up from society, from my upbringing of like, you've got to go do all the things and like, like kind of like exhaust yourself and have that, like you said, motivation to go and do and do and do. And it's like, the more I've actually started to slow down, I'm realizing like, I actually don't have that motivation to go and do, do, do until my sacral is like, all right, now's the time. Let's go do it. Exactly. But I have this like, but then I'm trying to learn to not beat myself up about that and yes. stop looking outside of myself and seeing. And like, that's why part of me hates social media so much. Cause it's just a highlight reel and you constantly get on there and you see what everyone else is doing. And then it makes you feel bad. Cause you're like, Oh my God, well, I'm not doing all these things. Cause I'm just trying to like wait for divine timing to finally tell me when the right time is to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that is definitely in my conditioning and something I've been working on, but it's, it's really hard when like everyone else around you, there's like a certain way that's been, I don't know, sold to you. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. idea of oh, how you're 100%. supposed to like be a human. And yeah. that's just not how I operate. And something I've really tried to lean into is that like, I'm going to be over here and over there and then right here and then maybe back over there. And that's just like how I work. And that's the things that I'm interested in. And then to this idea of joy that you brought up, I'm so interesting because I feel like I didn't really lean into like what actually brings me joy. And like you said, like looking outside of yourself and I feel like I did this much of my time in New York and like what, what was supposed to be fun to do mm -hmm. and like how I was supposed to like decompress. And, mm -hmm. and then since moving to Miami three years ago, I've started to try to figure out what does joy mean to me? Like, what do I want? Yeah. Not what everyone else tells you you're supposed to do, but what do I actually like? And it's been quite surprising to see the little things that I'm like, oh, this thing right now brings me joy. Like the smallest little thing. Oh, I love or that. Something like I did, one of the things that I discovered since moving here, I mean, I figure skated as a child, mm -hmm. but just going ice skating if I just go ice skate for like an hour at a rink, like it brings me so much joy. It's insane. And I just like feel so happy just to skate around Yay. like I did when I was a child. So it's nice to like finally learn, you know, what, what is good for me versus 
what is what is being constantly pushed at me yeah. but the the motivation thing is something i've really it's going back to that like it's tough especially from coming from the hustle culture in new york yeah. and then mm-hmm. i feel like the upbringing i had just like with my just watching the dynamic of my parents and like you got to like work 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 yeah and also i just think i was like always keeping myself busy for so long, even as like a teenager, when I was in high school, I was in like five clubs. I was like president of two of them. I like played a sport. I had a part-time job. Like I was like, so <laughs> my busy. head is getting tired from nodding because I yes. like relate to this so much. And I'm, like, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I still do a lot of things, but now I've learned how to like do things that are more I think aligned with what actually lights me up. Yep. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's yeah. like embodying that more. Because I think yeah. the like the thing that actually needs to happen, the thing that you have been leaning into more is listening to your sacral center, is letting your sacral mm-hmm. center actually be the thing that fuels whatever it is that you do. Um, because it's interesting, a lot of the things that you're talking about right now, I identify with as well as a projector who has a defined root and an undefined sacral. And I think in a lot of mm-hmm. situations, the root and the sacral uh, have there are things that exist within both of them because both of them have that kind of innate humanity. Um, but mm-hmm. as someone who has an undefined sacral, I deal with that concept of, you know, feeling lazy with the concept of not, you know, feeling like I'm supposed to do things the same way as other people. And having a defined root, it's more about me listening to all my defined emotions. But that defined root, when I get that urgency to do something, that's usually my impetus to, okay, this is something that's important Mm -hmm. for me to do. Whereas for you, it's the exact opposite. It's the same thing where you're waiting for that your gut to tell you something, but it feels different. You're not waiting for urgency. You're not waiting for that, like, Mm -hmm. I need to go do this thing. You're waiting for what lights me up. You're waiting for what actually gets me excited. Because I actually feel like I always have the urgency. (laughs) If I allow it, you're absorbing it from everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like my energy is not meant for that, but that's how I always feel. And like, honestly, sometimes I feel like the last two years have, I've been like, quote, like in my mind when I'm beating myself up, I'm like, I've been so lazy these last two years, but I haven't, I've done I've done so much. It's just like, I'm actually doing more of what I actually want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I have a lot more freedom too, than to do more of what I want to do. So I think the big thing for deconditioning for me is really like, like stop beating myself up and really lean into, like you said, listening to my sacral. Cause it's, ha- I've really had to like quiet the noise in my life mm-hmm. in order for me to listen to it. And it's been quite a journey to, you know, let go of like a job that wasn't serving me that took up way too much time, energetically, physically, spiritually to, to then get to a place where it's like, you just have more room in your life and more space mm-hmm. to hear and also just be. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. especially a Manny Jen like you who has a direct connection between your throat and your sacral, when you speak, when you use your voice, you're literally connecting directly to the things that light you up. You're connecting directly to those things. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, try to 
kind of figure out what it is you're supposed to be doing, either from a mind place or from feeling into what you think you're supposed to be doing, you're doing yourself a disservice there. Um, But I think that the concept of giving ourselves grace is one of the most important things when it comes to deconditioning. Because what happens when we stop beating ourselves up is that suddenly we start being able to take the energy that we were using to beat ourselves up and putting it toward doing the things that we actually want to be doing. And so things like, I love that idea of you just going and skating just skating like you did mm-hmm. when you were a kid and just letting yourself live in the joy of that because it's really easy to fall into the other side of it, which is the criticism, which is the, am I doing this mm-hmm. right? Am I doing this part right? Am I doing this right? Am I, you know, should I have skated longer? Should I have skated less? Why aren't you doing more of this? Exactly, mm-hmm. right. So to really let mm-hmm. yourself lean into the things that do feel good for you um, and that is where the magic comes in, you know? Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, it's really fascinating talking about all these different aspects of your chart and deconditioning because a lot of it too is shadow mm-hmm. and like parts of your shadow and like how you can like integrate them. And cause you know, you rejected them or you were like, you saw someone else be that way. And you're like, Oh, I never want to be that way. Or you saw someone be a certain way and you're like, Oh, I have to be just like them or yeah. something. It's, it's all very much connected. A hundred percent. The last thing that I was going to say that come, that's come to me too, about, um, my chart and the deconditioning is, um, there's, I think there's an aspect in my chart that it says something about, I need to like going on retreats is really good for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. going and being in my own energy. I can't remember what gate it is or which aspect it is, but there's something in my chart that says that. And for a while, like I used to feel like guilty to go do like a retreat or a trip just for myself. And like, when I learned that I was like, Oh, I got to take more trips for myself. I need to go on more (laughs) retreats, you know, giving yourself more permission. And it's true because then I started to think back and I'm like, wow, all the times I've gone and done something that's like, I go by myself and do the thing. If it's like a retreat or like a little trip or something, my energy is so it's like, I have a, t- it's like a deep breath from like my whole physical being of being mm-hmm. like, Oh, and then like, and then I get to reflect on my life outside of myself. And that's like always like super profound for me yeah. every time I go do that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I have. So that's also been like an aspect I, I remembered. And I wanted to bring up for anyone else out there who needs to be taking more retreats yes. or like just going and doing <laughs> more things for yourself. Yeah. I'm not, maybe you can speak on which aspect that is in the chart. Yeah. I think or gate, I guess it's, it's likely. So I don't know exactly what gate the person you look, you were talking to, uh, was discussing, mm-hmm. but having an undefined self center makes it so that your mm-hmm. environment is extremely important. And this is the case for any undefined centers, but especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing with an undefined self center, because the people that you are around and their sense of self their sense of identity is essentially the pool that you're sitting in. So if you are, you know, you walk up to a swimming pool and that swimming pool is pristine and beautiful and sparkly and you jump in the pool, you're going to have a great time in that pristine sparkly pool with all of the people who are like feeling really high vibe with who they are and they know who they are and they feel present with themselves. Whereas if you walk into a room full of people who don't know who they are and who are, you know, afraid to be their authentic selves or are hiding from the world or are living 
walking in the shoulds and supposed tos, then it's kind of like walking into a pool that hasn't been cleaned in months. It's like there's a bunch of muck. There's a bunch of yuckiness. You're kind of like, okay, I don't really want to be here. And like, it's still water. I'm, but mm-hmm. is it? <laughs> but like, it's so funny you're saying this. It's literally like how it feels sometimes going out now. Like I think I spent most of my early 20s like going out to bars and clubs and like that's how I would like spend my free time. Mm -hmm. And now it's like unless there's like a specific reason and group of people I'm going to go out with and like those are the people I'm going to be hanging out with. If I just willy nilly I'm like all right I'm going to go out. I'm like ugh, I don't. Oh, like the energy in here. I can't. Exactly. I'd rather be sitting on my couch by myself. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) And one of the things that I think, this is another one of those paradoxes, is that when you start on that deconditioning journey, when you start to clear out some of the stuff that's been built up inside, what happens is that you start to get more sensitive to the things around you. So it's this kind of catch 22, because when you were full of conditioning and doing all of the shoulds, there was also a numbing effect. There was also a serious Mm -hmm. numbing effect of like, if I let myself be truly open, then I'm not going to be able to function at all. So when you start to decondition and start to pull out some of that stuff, you start to open yourself up to actually feel who into who you truly are, to feel into your superpowers, to feel into how you can feel other people, how you can read other people's energy. And then as you get more and more into that, every time you're around people, you can feel their energy. And then it becomes a matter of trying to figure out how do I, how do I, balance this? How do I make sure that my sensitivity Mm -hmm. doesn't become a detriment to me? And so it really does kind of change the whole way that you are living, you know? Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I've had to come up with so many tools, Yeah, especially the fact that I bartend twice a week. Like, oh my gosh. I like at one point, I had to, before I'd walk out, because I take stairs down, I live in like a high rise building, but before I would take the stairs and like walk out the door, I'd like envision a bubble, like a little egg over me. And I'd have to do that. Or I'd have to like shower when I got home, or I'd have to do I'm like, I got a level one theta healing certified. Oh, amazing. And like, I'd have to go and like release all my energy up to creator, like anything I picked yeah. up. It's real. It's, it's so like, real. I feel like I am. Yeah, so much more even to things. It's crazy. Like things I watch or read. I finished reading this memoir yesterday. I cried for like 20 minutes after because I was like, I feel what this girl went through. Like I also resonated a lot with her story. She's an actress too. And like all these things. And I was like, you know, and then sometimes I feel so like I'll be, if something moved me so much, I'll be trying to tell another person about it. And sometimes I'll start crying again. I'm like, so I really resonate with that. The the sensitivity, it's a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the thing that I feel like is possible to glean from that is the idea that like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if I'm going to suddenly have to deal with everybody else's energy, then maybe I shouldn't try to better myself at all, you know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's still better over here. I've had those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Like it's, it's still nicer here. <laughs> oh yes. I totally agree. Like, but I've made jokes before with like my wellness girlfriends that I'm like, yeah. don't sometimes you just wish that you went back to like sleeping and just drinking beer and eating pizza all the time. Not to say I still eat pizza and I still drink <laughs> yes. beer sometimes, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm making fun of yeah. it. Like, maybe we could just go back to like pretending that nothing ever bothered us and repressing all of our emotions oh and just, you know, like Ugh. dealing with serious numbness. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But it's actually quite beautiful that we're all doing this work at such a much younger age, I think, than a lot of our parents did, I think, for the most part. I think that I think that's what I think all the time. And I'm really grateful for is I'm like, thank God I'm doing this in my 30s. And I'm not like waking up in my 50s and being like, oh, my God, who am I? And I lived 50 years of my life. And I was just doing it for everyone else. And I was never really like speaking up for what I wanted. And I wasn't, you know, tuned into who I am and what I want and how I actually want to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's if, if older generations even have done this work, Mm -hmm. but this is, it's so good to be doing this work and yeah. Clearing out all of that, that conditioning that just does not serve us. Mm -hmm. I think especially the concept that I I don't know if you are ever planning on having children, but I am very, very happy that I'm doing this before the concept of having children, because like Mm. we were just talking about this on the podcast with Alyssa about parenting, especially Mm -hmm. when you have children who are projectors or reflectors, manifestors, Mm -hmm. even anyone like in your position who has an undefined self-center, if you haven't done the work yourself, then your children are going to have to do it for you. Like (laughs) they're going to absorb Mm. what you didn't figure out and they're going to have to figure out how to deal with it either for you or for themselves. And like, I would much rather not pass that on to my children. For all their ancestors. Yeah. Right. For all their ancestors. Exactly. No, No, I mean, exactly. No, I mean, I'm, it's, funny you bring this up. I feel so strongly about that. And it actually really grinds my gears that people have children. It's so (laughs) willy nilly. They're just like, Oh, I'm just going to have a baby. It's like, um, did you even unpack your childhood or like, I don't know, just, uh, how you operate in the world or have any sort of self-awareness whatsoever. And I'm just like, how are you oh, going please. to not pass this down yeah. to your kids? If, yes, even if exactly. you haven't done all that work and you really want mm-hmm. kids, you know, I could go on a diatribe about this, but like, how are <laughs> mm-hmm. you not going to pass down the issues that you are having with yes. yourself mm-hmm. to your yes. children? Because they pick up on yep. that. You don't yeah. know, unless you look at their design, you need to know what their defined and undefined centers are, what like what their type is, what their strategy is, so that you know what to not do to mess mm-hmm. them up. And, mm-hmm. and let me, it's so easy yeah. to mess your kids up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can do everything right and still do that. Yeah. yeah. Even more so than knowing yeah. what to do and what not to do. It's that people, especially children, absorb everything that you are holding on to. And like, that's something that I think happened a lot in my household. And I know, you know, Sabrina is our our producer. We've had her on a couple of times. She has an undefined emotional center. And I feel like kind of played the part that you're discussing, Jess, of Mm -hmm. the peacekeeper. Is she the oldest? She's the youngest, in fact. 
And myself oh, and both, yeah, myself and both of my parents have defined emotional centers, and then my two younger sisters are undefined. Mm. Um, and Marley and I, I think, because we were so close in age, we had a ton of conflict. But because Sabrina was so much mm-hmm. younger than us, she kind of became the resolutionist, and she has kind of mm-hmm. been that energy for the entirety, you know, and then Marley and I both left the house and it was just her and my parents and she's absorbing all of their emotions and is trying to like, oh you know, how do I keep the, the peace res- between the two of you? For them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> but that's not her job. Right. It should not have <laughs> been her job. Yeah. And yet, yeah, because the people, you know, we had, I had a lot of repressed emotions, you know, I assume my mm-hmm. parents were also dealing with repressed, repressed emotions. Like, we are not from their childhoods. Yeah, from their childhoods. And like mm, with exactly. a defined emotional center, we need to process that shit. Like we need to be constantly mm-hmm. in processing. And I now understand that. And I know that if I am not processing my shit, it's going to come out in the people I love. Like PJ is going to mm-hmm, deal with yeah. it and Sabrina is going to deal with it, you know? And like yeah. if I'm not dealing with that shit, like it my kids would absorb it. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, it's just doing your own work, I think is just Mm -hmm. as important as how am I supposed to parent this child? How am I supposed to think? What Mm -hmm. am I supposed to do? You know? So this is our PSA for everyone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> do the work. Do the do, work. Do the work. It's hard. It sucks. It it is digging up some stuff that you don't want to deal with, but it is so important, oh, so important. for all relationships. It is. And mm-hmm. I'd love to get back to you, Jess, in your deconditioning journey now that you've sort of gone through um some of this. I know that you're still going mm-hmm. through it and you're still working on on all of the things, but how do you help influence your loved ones to support you now that you have a better understanding of yourself and have deconditioned uh, quite a few things? Oh, that's such a loaded question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We only ask loaded questions here. (laughs) (laughs) So I think going back to what I said, I think at the top of the episode with my partner, like him and I are very open, very transparent. He knows exactly how like a lot of my journey's been so I he really helps hold me accountable in a lot of those ways of like the deconditioning or even it's so funny because I feel like maybe once a month they've become less now maybe not once a month but for a while like once a month I would have like a mental breakdown of like beating myself up and crying and be like I'm not doing enough like where is my life like, what's my career? Because he knows manifesting generators we don't really have one and like having a total meltdown And then him being like, you are way too hard on yourself. Like literally that's his messaging to me all the time. Like you need to be easier on yourself. You need, you're doing a lot. You're doing this, you're doing that. And so like, he'll constantly remind me of all those things. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Or like trying to actually listen to what I want and voicing that is too something that he helps me with. I'll say it's a little trickier with my family. (laughs) I think the one thing that um, I have learned with them is I have to, I can't stay in the house with them. (laughs) When I go to visit, I have to have my own space. And that's something like through my deconditioning, I've learned to take care of my energy and knowing, all right, maybe I can only stay there this many days before like things might, you know, escalate or also even in the moments of like being around all of them, I, I need to stay 
outside of the house because it's just way too much energy as me, like an undefined emotional center. I'm picking up on way too much and I need my own space just to take care of my own energy between seeing them. Cause as we all know, it's not always easy to navigate family. Yeah. And so like learning to like not take everything so personally when I'm feeling a lot around them, I think that's really helped. Um, I want to think too, with like my, Oh, my sister, I'll say this is like a side note to the deconditioning is like, I discovered my sister was a projector. I think last summer her and I got in like a pretty big fight. And like, after when I went home, I started like reflecting a lot about it. And I finally looked up, looked up her chart and I was like, Oh my God, she's a projector. Wow. This makes so much sense. This is why we're polar opposites. This is why I can do so many things. And she just doesn't have the capacity to do as much. So I feel like even in terms of that and learning more about other people's charts, it's helped me a lot in the deconditioning process. Mm. And then Mm. also just not letting, I don't know, like, I feel like it's funny. I haven't, I'm half Turkish. My, my father's Turkish. And I was recently chatting with another Turkish friend and we were both talking about how our fathers just want to pretend like everything's happy and good all the time. And I feel like, I don't know if this is like this in American households, but I know her and I very much resonated with one another because we're like, you know, anytime we'd be upset about something, you know, your dad would just be like, like, just be happy. Like, just smile. Just, you know, everything's good. And you'd be like, no, actually, it's not. And like learning that, like, that's just his programming and knowing when I like I have my own feelings and deconditioning out of that of being like all right this is what you tried to because then that made me not actually feel like we talked about earlier in the episode I didn't feel my feelings forever because I was like oh no everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine and you're sitting in a burning house yeah. and you haven't you're it's like that meme that that meme where you're like that meme yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and you're like coffee. no it's it's fine it's fine it's like actually no it's actually, not fine it's not. <laughs> and, and her and I kind of laughed about it because we're like you know, now as adults and we're like, you know, going on our own healing journey and like, we're like, everything's not fine. I'm sad today. I'm upset. And like, that's okay. And like, yeah. you know, I'm going to process this and move through it. And, you know, you can't listen to all of the programming that sometimes comes from your parents. Mm-hmm. So I feel yeah. like those are all the ways that I've tried to navigate like my deconditioning with them, but also it's, you know, you have to be very patient with your loved ones, especially the ones that aren't as um, curious about their own self-awareness or, mm. you know, just how they navigate their energy in the world. And one of the, I've done actually a lot of plant medicine over the last like year to also help with my healing. And this uh, last ju- end of July, I did, um, it's like a heart ceremony that really opens your heart and it kind of ha- allows you to see things in a really loving way. Like even things that are like, like patterns have come to me, like uh, I'll be shown like, oh, I have this pattern, but it's actually not even mine. It's my parents for, per se. Right. Mm. And like one of the messages that came through was like, just like giving your family love and like not judging them mm. in a, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it, how you have to practice to not judge yourself, but like also like not d- judging them and understanding that they have their own journey and like they also have their own conditioning and programming yep. and just being like patient and kind and yeah. like trying to be understanding of that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think the one of the things that's really important to remember about that, especially for you, because you have a one three profile, is that those of Mm -hmm. us who are here to bring that individual energy into the world, the thing that is going to be most aligned for us and best for everybody in our lives is if we just shine our own light. If we are a pillar Mm -hmm. of self-care, we are a shining example of what the world could be. And I find like for myself, I just kind of had to like lean in and be like, okay, well, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And over time, it just Mm -hmm. became like, okay, well, Kayla's a little crazy, but she's still Kayla and she's going to do her Kayla thing. (laughs) And like it finally got to the point where like now I feel like my parents actually get it. Like I feel like they actually at least Mm -hmm. understand that like when I do things my way, it works for me, even if it's not going to work for them. Like it works. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it takes a while. But yeah. Mm. I have two things about that. One, it's because you're advocating for yourself first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And two, it's funny that you said shine your light because that actually, that's kind of creepy that you said that. That's literally one of the messages that has come through during one of my plant medicine journeys is like, I just have to shine my light. And like, that's what's going to like <laughs> bring like everyone together. And like, that's, that's just what I have to do. Yep. Yep. It's wild that yeah. you said that, but I, I, I have this, I have a similar thing, like with all the like different, cause I'm a one three. So I want to try everything, yeah. all the different, like <laughs> trendy things of how to eat or this or that, or wellness, whatever. Like I've, I'm constantly trying all the different things just to be like, Hey, let me try it out. And now I feel like my parents and like my sister, they're just like, Oh, Jessica's doing her thing. Yeah. And instead of, and this is another thing going back to the, the throat motor and like discerning when you should be saying the thing and not I've had to learn, especially with my family. It's like, Mm. well, they know I'm doing this thing. They know I have the information. If they're curious, they will come talk to me and then I can bestow them with the knowledge I have. If until then they don't need, they don't want to hear it. They're just going to tune me out. It's not going to help them. That's been a big one for me. It's interesting though. My dad's been getting more into wellness and he'll even send me things. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, So we have one last question for you. What is your advice for other manifesting generators going through a deconditioning journey? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say give yourself grace. It's so it's, I feel like it's so tough for manifesting generators because I think Kayla, you've said before, like majority of, I mean, majority of society is manifesting generators and generators, but it's like, there's so much structure in how we're, programmed on how our lives are supposed to look Mm -hmm. and just having grace for yourself and knowing that like, that's not how we're, our energy is meant to work in the world. And we're supposed to kind of be a little here, be a little there. And that's actually how we work better. And just owning that and leaning more into that versus getting upset with yourself. Cause you're like, well, I'm not doing it this way. I'm not sitting at my desk from nine to five, or I'm not, you know, However it is that whatever it is, it's supposed to look like that for whatever reason, that's been like the standard mm-hmm. and just also listening to your sacral <laughs> is a huge one. I would say yes. find ways that you can quiet the noise, whatever that means to you to be able to do that. And I think 
finding the different tools or tactics or rituals that you need to do in order to tune in with yourself, to listen to yourself more, which I think could go for any of the designs, honestly, is really important and finding out like, what are those things and how, like, how do they benefit you and, you know, the trial and error of all of it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's, that's so spot on. And I think, uh, the concept of it being difficult uh, to be a manifesting generator because of the way that the world conditions us, I think honestly applies to absolutely every single human that exists because mm-hmm. we are conditioned to believe there's one way. Yes. Whatever that one way is. And like it's it. And who decided that? Who decided, right? Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> And like for some things, it's society and for some things, it's your parents and for some things, it's a teacher, whatever. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, our brains seem to glom on to there is one way to live and I am not living that way. And like Mm -hmm. we are all so vastly different from each other that the idea that Mm -hmm. even two people could live the same way is absurd. Like, you know, I Mm. I am in a relationship with a projector and he and I live completely differently. And the fact that (laughs) we've been able to figure out how to support each other and our differences is what makes our relationship work. So if you're looking at the idea of two people needing to accept that there are differences, how on earth can you look at the entire world, at all women, at all men, at all, you know, college graduates, whatever the category is, and expect the same exact things from every single one of them. It is an absolutely gross generalization Mm -hmm. of what a human is supposed to be. So that is why human design can help so much because it gives you a place to start. It gives you an understanding of your unique and beautiful energy, what you bring to this world. So, yeah. And leaning more into that, that's just, that's my takeaway, is how you can just be more of your own authentic energy in the world. Mm. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. I love having another manifesting generator on the podcast. I I feel so seen when you're here. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was so uh, this was insightful. A wonderful, wonderful conversation. I love our deconditioning talks. Uh, um, you're welcome back anytime. And yeah, thank you for sharing your journey and being open with us today. Thank you. If you like what you heard on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at Human Design in Real Time to keep up with our next episodes. And if you want to learn more about your own human design, I'd love to help you on your journey you can head to my website, kayla-care.com to book an introductory human design session where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's K-A-Y-L-A-C-A-R-E.com. We're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast. So if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niall Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's guests for being open and present with us. 
And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your human human design in real time. time.